All your base are belong to us. Hello, and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. This is our second time recording this intro, so forgive me if the if what I'm going to say sounds rehearsed. because But it was a good one, so... It technically was. It's dark outside. It's not normally dark outside when we record. It's freaky. I don't like it. Yeah. But I was busy mushroom hunting this morning, so... That's what I was doing. That's Washington, baby. That's Washington, baby. If you want to see pictures of mushrooms, let me know. Uh, I didn't find any edible ones. And no, this is not a drug thing. Anytime <laughs> you say something about mushrooms, people are like, oh, like drugs. And I'm like, do you know how many kinds of mushrooms there are and how I don't want to hallucinate? My desire to hallucinate is zero. I just want to look at cool mushrooms. I was just having this conversation with Bob about how, because um, one of the guys in inside job accidentally, well, he's not accidentally, someone gives it to him on, uh, without him knowing, does mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I think I would have a panic attack. Yeah. You do you. If you want to do mushrooms, that's fine. I don't. Um, and I don't want, I don't want to hallucinate. I just, I, you guys, I just like to see a cool mushroom. I saw these little. He loves a good fun guy. I saw these. I love a fun guy. I uh, the first mushrooms we found were these little guys that grow on pine cones, and I about lost my shit because they were so cute. <laughs> and they're really common; they were everywhere. And every time I saw them, I'm like oh, more, <laughs> just because they're so fucking cute. And if you want to see a picture, let me know, and I'll send it to you. I can also show you the other mushrooms that we found. You can join our Discord and ask for them. Yeah, hop in our Discord since Twitter's like a very slowly sinking ship. Like it, it should be sinking faster. It felt like the Titanic on the seventeenth, but I think. It's, it is in fact like um, you're on the lifeboat there's one crack in the hull and we're all just kind of looking at it going when's it gonna give um, that's kind of how it feels right now I'm Mary I'm an online marketer and I fought for my fucking life <laughs> this week to get Taylor Swift tickets I got Missy and I Taylor Swift tickets does Missy care to see Taylor Swift no do I want to go alone my desire no. to see Taylor Swift is decreasing every <laughs> single fucking day well good thing we're towards the kind the end of the leg of the tour so you'll have some time to like recoup anything. yeah I, my desired um, Taylor Swift saturation in my life is at an all time high and I have never wanted it less you are not alone actually some people I guess I could go on for this forever I only I'm aware. have one <laughs> platform and this is it. And I'm about to say something <laughs> that I want to scream to the world. Do I first of all, Taylor fan Taylor Swift fans are bad, including me. The Swifties. The Swifties are bad. I wouldn't consider myself a Swifty, but they're all bad. Swifty adjacent. Don't care. Swifty adjacent, don't care. <laughs> you're you're a quickie. <laughs> Taylor Swift. That's when you really like Nesley Quick. Yes, it's really. In- <laughs> it has nothing to do with Taylor no. Swift. I just wanted everybody to know. Um, Taylor Swift is not your friend. Does Taylor Swift care about her fans? Sure. Does she care that they make her money? Yes. Did she use dynamic pricing? Probably. And there's probably no way you can convince me that she didn't. And everybody's saying that she did. Go check the sources. You're all fucking wrong. <laughs> I'm so fucking pissed off. I just wanted to get these tickets and go see fucking songs live and that's it and i'm sitting really up high up top i won't go see her till july hopefully things will feel better by then um but i thought you know i fought for my life for missy to be able to see taylor swift it was all for me it was all for missy <laughs> um mary just didn't want to go alone <laughs> i just didn't want to go alone 
Are you ready to begin the the podcast? The casting of pods. Let's cast a pod. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. I read Nona the Ninth by Tamsin Weir. I actually don't know if I'm saying her name correctly. I love the name Tamsin. It's a good name. Uh, this is the third book in the Lock Tomb trilogy, following Gideon the Ninth and Harrow the Ninth. And as you may remember from me reading Harrow the Ninth, I didn't know what the fuck was going on, and the trend continues. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck was going on in this book, but I had a great time reading it. Um, so Nona the Ninth, the first book follows Gideon, the second book follows Harrow, and the third book follows Nona. Unlike Git, well, Gideon, we didn't know who Gideon was because it's the first book in the series. Harrow, we knew who she was. We don't know who the fuck Nona is, and <laughs> Nona. Uh, this is a really, really mild spoiler. Like, you find this out first chapter. But this was a difficult book to follow, in part because not only do you have new characters, but you have familiar characters inhabiting one body. <laughs> and <laughs> sometimes they just switch. Um, in this book, you follow Nona, who is like, I think she's 19. Um, she is, she kind of has the mentality of a child in that, to her she was born six months ago whatever person she is she was a different person than she was before six months ago and she has this like really happy-go-lucky personality she's really sweet she loves everybody and the world around her is the worst like everything outside is trying to kill you um, and she has a group of friends named things like Born in the Morning and Hot Sauce. Um, this is the, the wildest. This is wild. Truly. Um, around, so she's surrounded by some characters who will be familiar to people who have read the previous two books, which I, you have to. I don't know why you would start with Nona. Um, the characters will be familiar to you, but things are different much as they were in harrow but less different than harrow um there is a whole like galactic war happening that nona is only passingly aware of but the reader is aware of it and the reader is paying attention to like these details that you only get filtered through nona who doesn't give a shit so it's like big parts of it are missing because nona's like that was boring i'm gonna think about dogs now Oh, um, but it, like Tamsin Muir is just so good at pulling this off. Like the thing I had a I had an easier time reading Nona the Ninth than I did Harrow the Ninth. Um, mostly because Nona has her own shit going on. She has her own story that is independent of this larger, like galactic <laughs> war. <laughs> she, she's got stuff going on outside of that. Um, and it was easy for me to follow what was happening with Nona. It was less easy for me to follow the larger plot stuff. But the thing is, I don't really mind that because Tamsin Weir is such a fun writer. Like, her books are so much fun to read, even if I'm not 100% certain what's literally happening. I am in for a fucking ride. Like, sure, this is a convertible with the top down. We're going 80. We've got our sunglasses on and a little scarf on. And I'm like, yeah, you just drive me wherever you want. I don't give a fuck. I'm having a great time. Do I know where we're going? Nope. I trust you, though. I trust you. Um, that is how I feel about Hero the Ninth and Nona the Ninth. Um, do I recommend it? Yes. 
will you know what's going on 100% of the time? No. Um, but if you are the kind of reader who is okay with just being taken on a really fun ride where the payoff is great, like in the end, you don't know where you're going, but you, you end up at, you know, fucking Disneyland or, uh, ice cream, or I don't know. Sometimes you crash into a brick wall and it's sad. <laughs> Cause these books are kind of a roller, they're kind of a roller coaster of emotion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you're on uh mr toe's wild ride and you just die yeah you go to hell yeah but it's fun i mean it, the ride is fun yeah <laughs> it's it's really hard to explain if you listen if you know you know um i definitely recommend this series it's just it's one where you really have to trust that the author is taking you somewhere and you don't know where that is and sometimes you're blindfolded and sometimes uh the author like spins you around in a circle and then like laughs at you a little bit and then like sometimes you fall down but like you're having a good time that's what these books are like i enjoy it i think they're really fun um i'm excited to see the last one electo the ninth uh which i think is coming out next year um yeah it's a good series it's not it's definitely not for everybody but if anything about it sounds good to you it's worth a try and Nobody that I have ever read writes a fucking twist like Tamsin where, oh, something I did want to say about these books is that as I was reading them, uh, I realized that I have talked a lot of shit before about puzzle box narratives and how they incentivize like solving Mm -hmm. a plot over experiencing like an emotional journey or anything like that. That's not the only way that art can work, but it's a way, right? These puzzle box narratives, things often you know, a lot of like uh, big franchise films um, incentivize you to look for plot holes or inconsistencies, stuff, you know, film criticism in the vein of like CinemaSins. It encourages you to like not be there for the emotional journey, but to be looking for flaws or connections to other media. And that's your method of investment. I think that the Lock Tomb series is a puzzle box narrative done right. I don't know what the fuck is happening. If you are a cleverer reader than I am, you might. And you might be able to spot the clues that I'm not spotting. But you're going to have to read it twice at least. Yes. But if you enjoy that kind of like puzzle element to fiction, if you're like, if you're big into stuff like big franchise films like the MCU and you're like, I want that, but with like a heavy emotional component or i want that but with lesbian necromancers or i want that but i want i don't even know this some of the shit that happens in this book is wild i want this with but with a side of climate grief like if you if, if that sounds interesting to you i cannot recommend the lock tomb series highly enough um i think it's a really really good series it is not easy um, but I d- that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's good to have to work for your enjoyment of something. And that's something I appreciate about this series, even though I'm reading it and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's happening. <laughs> it's like, it's well written enough that I'm having a good time, even mm-hmm. not knowing what's happening. Um, I watch All Hallows Eve, which I don't know the timeline of these movies, but is a spinoff of Terrifier, which, which has the clown... I think Terrifier came out, then All Hallows Eve 
I have no idea what you're... Terrifier 2? I don't know. My husband's been trying to get me to watch Terrifier. I was like, absolutely not. That's a creepy (laughs) clown. And then he's like, we're going to watch All Hallows' Eve. And I was like, okay. Well, it turns out it's a fucking Terrifier movie. It's an anthology type movie where... So it takes place in Halloween and these two kids come home and, you know, there's a babysitter, of course. And they're like, oh, we found this VHS tape in in our candy bags. Let's watch it. And the babysitter is like, absolutely not. I'll watch it first and let you know if it's okay. She watches it. They come in. And she's like, well, I'll stop if if it gets too intense. Lady, it gets intense right away. (laughs) The first story is a bunch of women were abducted, brought down below, I think a subway or something. And um, one of them gets the baby ripped out of, baby being ripped out of her. Babysitter still letting the kids watch. What? Um, the, it ends with, they don't show it, but the girl being raped by the demon, by the the devil. Does she stop? No. (laughs) Why? She finally sends them up to bed and then she continues to watch. Um, the second one, I could not tell you what happened because it was about aliens. And let me tell you when I say this was the worst experience of my life. We're watching. I don't know. what I'm thinking I'm going to get another like regular horror. I know film. some of things, some things that have happened to Mary and that this is the worst experience of her life is pretty intense. I'm thinking particularly of the time there's a stabbing at the mall and we all to run for our lives. This was worse. <laughs> when, I thought, when I thought Mary was dead. Um, while we're watching it. And I didn't go back to double check, but I'm almost like 100% positive. The girl is talking on the phone to someone named Mary. And she goes, tell your husband, Bob, I said hi or something like that. And I was like, that's weird. Uh, Then the movie is about aliens. Aliens come in and I literally close my eyes the entire time. I opened my eyes once, saw an alien, had a heart attack. My husband would talk and I'd say, shut up. (laughs) He mentioned the movie yesterday and I go, don't talk about that. Don't. I'm terrified of aliens. The cheesier the alien, the worse. Unless it's like Mars attacks. But like, I don't know why. Little green men, fuck off. Hate it. Don't want to see it. Ugh. Did I, told, I, think, I think I told my husband. Mary's going through it. Yelling at him. The only alien I want to see is Nandalite. What about E.T.? No, E.T.'s freaky. Love that little bugger. It is, it is a good movie, but E.T., it looks like. He looks like a shit came to life. <laughs> I love him. He's um, my son. And then there's a third story, but I truly don't remember what it was because I was still traumatized by the aliens. Um, it was a weird movie. It was an anthology, which I kind of like horror anthologies typically because <laughs> they tend to be a little bit cheesier because they don't have as big of a budget and I don't get as scared. Um, not with the aliens, though. Not with the aliens. Mm-hmm fucking terrified and then and then my name and my husband's name together it was about you stop 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 mary's gonna cancel the podcast i'm gonna cancel aliens i've canceled aliens are problematic um and yeah so i don't remember what happened in the third the third story oh and then in the end the kids are beheaded of course yeah so it happens. I don't know. There's two other movies. I think um, one of them just came out. Terrified 2 just came out. Not watching it. That clown's fucked up. Don't like it. 
Um, but I especially don't like the aliens. So, peace. That's all I got. <laughs> I watched Heather's The Musical, which is available on something. It's free on something. Google it. You can figure it out. Yeah, you can figure it out. Heather's The Musical. It's Heather's, but a musical. We actually talked about the musical a bit on our Heather's episode of the podcast. Um, I love Heather's the musical. Like I, I have only listened to the soundtrack until I watched it recently, and this was the London version, I think, which is slightly different from the original version for a good reason. Um, and it was really good. It was too long. Uh, I will say that it was it was too long. It was maybe a half hour too long. Everything's too long. This dragged. <laughs> It started dragging. And that was like, when it comes to reviews of Heather's the Musical, that was like the biggest complaint was, this is way too long. It's like two and a half hours long and it needed to be less than two. Um, I mean, the movie's not that long. <laughs> so, uh, but it is it is a retelling of Heather's the Movie in musical form. Um, it stays true to the 80s setting. Um but there are a few changes like to modernize it that work really well. For example, one of the best songs in the movie, Dead Girl Walking, um, has the night uh, of the party, the like early before anybody starts dying, um, when Veronica throws up on Heather and Heather basically says, I'm going to ruin your fucking life. <laughs> um, instead of Veronica going home and JD coming after her, she's like, I'm a dead girl walking. What am I going to do? I'm a fuck that hot guy before I get murdered. Good. So she goes to his house and she's like, yo, I'm DTF. And he's like, okay, let's go. Let's do it. Um, so like it gives Heather a bit more agency or sorry, it gives Veronica a bit more agency there. Um, there's some other changes later on in it. Uh, I love my dead gay son gets a whole new context. Um, and, uh, fuck. Uh, there's a, there's a, a really, this is a dark, Heather's is a dark movie. Like it's really, really dark. That's so good. There's a scene of sexual assault in the movie that doesn't appear in the musical. And in the original version of the musical, there was a song where, uh, I can't remember their names. The two boys are harassing the two girls, Veronica. The two the oh, it's Veronica and the dumb Heather. Right. Well, in this case, the scene the th the scene that I'm talking about in the show is in the musical is the two boys harassing Veronica and essentially saying, "Sleep with us, you gave us blue balls." Oh yeah, yeah and yeah. it's from their perspective. And the people who made the musical were like, "It doesn't feel good to have this be from their perspective." Mm -hmm. So they wrote a new song. Oh, that's cool. From Veronica's perspective and like showing more of the fear that she's experiencing mm -hmm. as these two boys are like coming after her. Um, so there's a lot of little changes like that, that modernize it in a way that I think is more, not necessarily relatable. I don't think Heather's is relatable. Um, it can be relatable if, um, you look at it from far away. Yeah. I think that it, it modernize it, it modernizes it in a way that is more palatable, but still not palatable because I don't think Heather's should be palatable. No. I don't think we should watch something like Heather's and be like, yes, yum, yum, yum. I think we should watch something like Heather's and be like, yucky. I watch and say, yes, yum, yum, yum. 
favorite fucking movies. Well, I mean, I it's the kind of thing that's meant to unsettle. Yeah, you it's know? like it's. It, I think what I like about Heather's is that it just captures that like teenage rage and turns into yeah. murder. Yeah, and and that is like that is you're meant to to experience the 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 like bit of catharsis mm-hmm. at the same time as you're meant to feel disgust. Yeah. And I think that's something that Heather's the the movie does very well and I think it's something that Heather's the musical does in a way that uh the the movie would not resonate the same with younger audiences mm. today. I think the musical might hit that note better. Mm. The show like Heather's the show mm-hmm. and we talked about this in the episode it tried to thread that needle but it missed the mark in a few different ways. It wasn't as bad as everyone I'm kind of a Heather's The Show apologist in that I think in some ways it was really, really well done, but there were some really major ways that it missed the mark, Mm -hmm. um, specifically in how it handled, like, (sighs) social justice activism. They should have done it. They should have had the people who did Bodies, Bodies, Bodies do it. Yeah, but it, it... it didn't. It didn't thread the needle. I think as well as the musical does. The yeah. pro- the biggest problem with the musical is that it's too long. I think it's just really hard. This it's a movie yeah. that is really hard to do right now to get the same impact. Yeah. that it did then and like keep its roots. Yeah. Um. We talked about that on our Heather's episode of like the kids. The kids now. Kids these days don't understand. They're like, why the fuck would anybody want to watch that? Well, and, and something like looking at looking at JD now. JD is a walking fucking red flag. Yeah. That boy is a that boy is not wearing a trench coat. He's wearing a red coat. Like he it's is true. a living red flag. But he's he's coming out of the tradition of like JD stands for. Uh, I can't, dance. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember what it stands for in the movie, but it stands. It also stands for juvenile delinquent. Mm-hmm. It's also a hearkening to James Dean, Rebel Without a Cause. Like uh, now, you look at JD and you're like, that boy is a red fucking flag. Yeah. So and and like anything about bringing a gun to school hits different today yeah. than it did in the eighties. Um. So it it's just something that I totally understand wouldn't necessarily resonate with with younger people today for a variety they have to do active shooter drills at school like it's just they're living entirely different lives than in the 80s and even when we were growing up I think the hyperbolicness of Heathers is part of what made it so good and cathartic Mm -hmm. and when 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 bringing a gun to school isn't hyperbolic anymore yeah (laughs) yeah so I think that the musical does a good job to me of threading the needle that of the original and the show, it has good parts of each of them. Um, I think it's really funny. I think the music is really good. Uh, It's free to watch. If you like Heathers, if you like musicals, check it out. It's not like the greatest musical ever, but God, it has some fucking bangers. (laughs) Uh, Dead Girl Walking, flawless. I love my dead gay son. Excellent. Uh, The one at the party, I can't remember what it's called. Obviously Candy Shop slaps uh freeze your brain i can't have an icy without thinking of that fucking song (laughs) uh it's good in my opinion and that's what you're here for is my opinion so take it or leave it lick it up baby lick it up um i watched maniac a million years ago uh, Maniac stars Elijah Wood it is a remake of an 80s movie this one came out in 2012 um the person who did it also, 
I don't know if this sound, this movie sounds familiar because it sounds familiar or because we go in parking garages a lot. Um, he also did P2. Oh, fuck. P2. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, is that... We never... Okay. Wait, is that... Hold on. I gotta make sure that's who did P2. The... This is, this is a weird thing to say, but every time we go to Emerald City Comic Con, we park on the P2 level of yeah. this parking garage. So- and every time my husband and I, in particular go oh p2 and we never forget where we parked because of the horror movie p2 which i don't think either of us have seen (laughs) yes so he did do p2 hell yeah p2 the greatest movie i've never seen he did wrong turn in tahoe and then maniac um so maniac which stars elijah wood uh elijah wood is a serial killer who it starts with him like stalking a woman um to her home and um you know taking her and scalping her which was really rough to watch uh, As one does. So, like, it's it's interesting to me, like, violence in movies. Like, okay, so I watched Terrifier, right? Or I watched um, All Hallows' Eve. That, the violence in that movie was not, like, her, she's cutting the baby out, but it wasn't, like, that bad. Like, obviously it's bad. But watching a woman be scalped feels so different, and I think that's really interesting, like, the violence against women and how it can feel very different. Uh, one of the things I forgot to talk about, about, all Hallows Eve is in it. One of the, the children is a boy and he's watching this grotesque scene of um, a baby being cut out of a woman's body. And then like, a, and then another woman about to be raped with like glee. Oh my God. Yeah. It, 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 I, and like, I don't know if the movie meant for that to be like horrifying, but it was for me. So that kind of bleeds over haha, to um, <laughs> dark, you know, maniac. So the first scene is like scalping this woman. So it was really difficult to watch. And he ends up taking these women back to his place and uses their scalped heads on mannequins and has relationships with them. Uh, it's weird. Uh, at one point, a woman comes who her job, her art form is taking pictures of mannequins. And um, I don't know. There's a lot that I don't know if this I'd be interested to like really deep dive into it because I don't know if the movie is as aware of, of what it's doing. I would hope that it is. So one of the things is that um, she works with him to like use the mannequins because he restores like really old mannequins, like vintage ones. And she uses the mannequins to take pictures and for her art display. And while they're doing this, they're having a relationship that seems like they're, you know, going to become a couple. Well, turns out she has a boyfriend. Um, and it really did. It, at first you're like, oh, she led him on. But then you think about like, no, she was just his fucking friend. <laughs> like, right. And I don't know if the movie is like well she led her him on or no like i don't know how it felt about that it was just i don't know it was a very confusing movie how i felt it was really hard to watch um i didn't really like it honestly uh i'd be interested to watch the original because i'd I'd be curious what it would do differently since since it's in the 80s um and i thought all the acting except for elijah wood was really bad (laughs) um it definitely felt like elijah wood was like he was in that you only know me from lord of the rings so i must play terrible people vibe like i think david tennant is doing right now (laughs) of you only know me as the doctor so now i must play the worst people you've ever met (laughs) um as a way to like break away from that which i think is great 
I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the movie. That's how I ended it. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. It was hard to watch. He's creating this whole world of like these women that he's scalped and put on these mannequins. And that's gross, but it's interesting. And I don't know how I would I would imagine that the director was like really playing with the, like in the friend zone. I just it wasn't good enough for me to be like, oh, yeah, he's the he's the problem. Right. Uh, not her. So, I don't know. It was okay. I wasn't super into it. Not, but there were no cool. aliens. <laughs> At least that was that. There were no fucking aliens, and he did P2. Sick. I've never seen P2. It's probably terrible. I love that. I'm like, I don't know if I know P2 because of a parking garage or because of a movie. Yeah. It's both. It's both. It's but both. I know it from a parking garage, and I know it's a movie because of the parking garage. It's one of those movies that I don't think I'll ever watch. I prefer it to exist. It does take place in a parking garage. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um. On a completely different note, I watched Emma. The twenty. 20- <laughs> I love Emma. The twenty twenty. The twenty twenty version with Anya Taylor Joy. It was really cute. I think this movie was maybe stronger visually than any other way. But it, it was, was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was a sight to behold. Every moment. That movie is eye candy. In, it's so good. And I mean that it looks like candy. Everything on that movie, you just want to taste it. It's like the fucking Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory of movies. Like people's clothes, they look delicious. It's true. <laughs> the walls, yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> just everything in it looks tasty. Um I thought that the exec- like the execution of it was pretty good. I loved it. I'm not super familiar with Emma, the story, so uh, this is not a take based on whether or not it was faithful to the book. I haven't read it. I don't. I know the story best as Clueless, <laughs> a movie I have seen maybe three times. Oh, I've seen it so many times. Um, so, I just rewatched it. So I don't have strong feelings on that on it in that sense. I think it has had a harder time, like, with these with the characters that I did with something like Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice, I was like, oh, I get you. Mm-hmm. I get you. I get this sad man and I get this bitchy girl. I get them. <laughs> yes. Emma, mm, I can't identify with this. I love it. <laughs> uh, I liked it. It just it didn't grab me in the same way, but I thought it was it was well made. I didn't realize until the end that's the director of the all the new Florence and the Machine videos. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you told me that. Uh, I was like, why does Autumn DeWilde sound familiar? And then I was like, oh, okay. Um, is Jane Austen? Jane Austen? Is this movie the original story? Yes, Jane Austen. Jane Austen okay. Yeah. If there were Real Housewives of Jane Austen, Emma would be the most exciting character to watch. <laughs> She'd be the pot stir. Yeah, yeah. Great. It was, I like the idea, I think I would, I might enjoy another adaptation a bit more. And I don't think I I can't pinpoint what it was about it that didn't grab me, but um I it was good. Like I it, loved it. It wasn't bad. It just it didn't grab me in the way fun. that like Pride and Prejudice did. Um for whatever reason. And I think part of it was just that I find those characters a bit more interesting than Emma, who is still like believably flawed and that's enjoyable um, i also love anya taylor joy yeah i don't have strong feel. i'm like the i feel like the one person on earth who's just like yeah anya taylor joy i love her i don't she she is just so weird i she just she seems normal no her instagram stuff she i guess she's just not super weird but she'll like just post weird poses and things like that mm-hmm. uh, she's no lee pace to me 
with oh his weird little I couldn't gifts. believe I found out Bob's watched almost all of It's because Pushing it's Bases. good. Yeah, we're watching Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. He's like, I'm like, oh, that's Lee Pace. He goes, the pie maker? <laughs> I go, what? <laughs> that's him, the pie maker. He's like, I didn't know his name. I thought he was the pie maker. In real life, he's the pie maker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Emma was really enjoyable. I did love her movie. Um, I liked it. I, it was beautiful to look at. Absolutely. Top tier eye candy movie. It was beautiful. Um, story- it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was funny. I I don't know. I Something about it just didn't it didn't grab me. And I it might have just been that I found the characters to not be as engaging as something like Pride and Prejudice. Mm. Um, but it was enjoyable. because you're I mean, misogynist. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I don't like Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I like Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because there's a man in it. Yeah. Um, there was not enough men no. in mm-hmm. Emma for me. Um, no, uh, fuck. I had something to say. <laughs> um, damn. What was it? Hmm. I don't didn't, know. You didn't resonate with them. But yeah. The characters. Oh, to, and like, to be fair, I don't love Clueless either. I do. Which I, makes sense that I loved Emma and I love Clueless. Yeah. I, I just think that maybe the story is not as exciting or interesting to me as, um, something like Pride and Prejudice. And I'm using Pride and Prejudice specifically because it's also by Jane Austen. I realize there are lots of other stories, but I actually don't know Jane Austen's work that well. Um, I am woefully uneducated in Jane Austen. You definitely are just uneducated. In Jane Austen specifically, I've never read Jane Austen. I have read Charlotte Bronte, and I always thought Jane Eyre was by Jane Austen, and it never occurred to me the idea of writing a character character with your your own own fucking name. I think that's fair to like to like just uh, like a jump. Jane Eyre by Jane Austen, and I didn't like Jane Eyre at all, (laughs) so I haven't actually read any Jane Austen. I want to because I like I I enjoy her stories and she's a good storyteller. So I like I want to actually read her. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. Um. But Emma was good. It was definitely it was definitely enjoyable. Um. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people would really like it. Probably more than I did, especially if you like Clueless. You can. From what I understand, it's a not unfaithful adaptation, but there are some liberties taken with the story for a variety of reasons. Really liked the anime nosebleed. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was I forgot about that. <laughs> that's a that does not happen in the book. The anime nosebleed. Um but yeah, it was it was good. It was enjoyable. Yeah, I loved it. I watched Little Devil, which is a TV show on Hulu by Danny DeVito and his daughter. Uh, That's so nice. You know what? It was surprisingly wholesome, despite the fact that it's about um, a girl who finds out she's the Antichrist and her father is the devil and her mother is um, the coolest person and she's voiced by... um, This is an animated show. Uh, She's voiced by... um, God, what's her name? Deadpan girl from Aubrey Plaza. Uh, she's yeah, she's Aubrey. She's Aubrey Plaza, and um, there's the girl, and then Daniel DeVito plays the devil, which is her dad. And um, I don't know. This show was just it's it's about her. It's really just like her learning that she is Antichrist and having to live her life that way, and find like her dad's back in her life, and like learn. And well, not back. It's the first time she's met her dad because her mom has constantly moved her around to not, you know, find out she's the spawn of the devil. 
Uh, she's the spawn of Satan. And then her dad just being like, I just want a relationship with my daughter. Like, I just <laughs> want a relationship. Um, at one point, he inhabits a chicken and kills himself. Okay. It was really weird. It was really good. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Mary. That seems really normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a, that happens to all of us. It's so, really... Someday. I, I don't know how to explain that. I'll just tell you some things that happen that are really interesting in okay. this. Um, I'm ready. She... Now I'm going blank. <laughs> Nothing happens. I finished this a while ago. Nothing happens in the show. Mary made it up. Yeah, I made it up. Her, um, what I loved about what, it. What's actually happening here is that Mary is pitching us on her. Yes, this show. is this is my show. Um, her mom is great. She like has all these tattoos on her body and will do things like I have to summon demons or I have to go to this other realm and she'll like just grab a chicken cut it like cut its blood and like do some stuff and now she's in a different realm um at one point her mom falls in love with a siren which is really great um her dad like brings her in and's like you can go live in any realm you want and she just goes buck wild uh even though she's a teenager she's just loving life she has a really good friend and like one of this is one of my favorite storylines was she has a really good friend he's very wholesome and um it turns out he has uh he has an eating disorder and clearly has like body dysmorphia and she tries to fix it by using some old spells that she found in her dad's library which just ends up turning him into this like weird blob because she's trying to get him to love himself and it was a really good it was really good at explaining like you can have somebody who's having like a friend who's having these issues and no matter what you do you can't fix it you can only be supportive mm-hmm. and it also is really like refreshing to see these body dysmorphia and eating disorder happen in someone who's not a young woman mm-hmm. um, obviously disproportionately it does it happens with women but that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen with men and young boys um, and i thought it was a really good especially cuz i think in, i think for a lot of men it's uh ignored or it manifests differently manifests differently um it was really interesting and i thought they just did it really well um i thought they did the love interest uh with the siren really well because it it centered around her being like i can be my own person do i really have to like always be there for my daughter that sounds really cruel but it wasn't cruel um it was a really good show i really enjoyed it i thought it was really funny it had some really funny moments um it's it's that typical you know that kind of cartoon that's like really popular right now um like rick and morty probably started it but it's slightly different than rick and morty stuff like tuca and Brody or bojack horseman yeah like that like raunchy it's it's and it's like a very specific type of like art like so there's little devil there's um Lower Deck, which is the Star Trek one. Sure. Um, and Inside Job, which just came back. Um, it's like a really specific type of like cartoon, even in like in looks. But yeah, it's, it's definitely not for kids, obviously. I actually found out about this show because I saw people making fun of other people, religious people. Sorry, I don't want to offend anybody, but um, who were really upset that a story about the Antichrist was on Disney. Because oh. um, it's Hulu. And so they're like, this is a uh, Disney agreeing with the antichrist it was great so immediately is like i need to watch this (laughs) mary loves the antichrist i do and she is pretty great um (laughs) she is pretty great i do love her um but 
yeah, I liked it. It was fun. Despite me not being able to explain a lot what happened. It was good. I finished it a long time ago. Yeah. That's fine. Um, I, after what I started listening to this podcast a long fucking time ago, and then I fell behind on it as I do with all podcasts. And I finally caught up today. Today. Good job. So I would appreciate a round of applause, please. Finally catching up on the podcast, and that podcast is Song Exploder. I love Song Exploder. It is probably one of my favorite podcasts um, because I love hearing how things I don't understand work. So Song Exploder is by Rishikesh Hirway, which is what a great fucking name. Yeah. Just stellar, top tier name. It's just so musical. Uh, anyway, <laughs> on brand. <laughs> that aside, uh, Rishi K. Shearway is also mu- a musician. But um, anyway, uh, this is a podcast where uh, he sits down with musicians of all genres and asks them how a given song came to be. Like, why did you choose this sound? What is the story behind this song? Um, where did this lyric come from? Why does it sound like that? Uh, it's fascinating. Like it's, it gives you a whole new appreciation for songs that you may have heard hundreds of times before. One of the, one of the best ones I think for that specifically is the episode that he did on Rick Astley's never going to give you up. Um, which talks about how that's like how Rick Astley even became a musician and like why the song, how the song sounds because like, it's it's one of the songs that we've all heard the opening notes to a hundred times. We've all heard that so many times because of Rick Rolling. And it talks about like where that drum sound came from, why it sounds the way it does. One of my favorite things from that episode in particular was Rick Astley talking about himself, you know, now 40 years after the song <laughs> came out. And he's like, he's like, they really had a hard time with me because I had the face of an 11 year old, <laughs> but the voice of a drunken 40 year old man at karaoke. That's hilarious. <laughs> He's like, I think they had a really hard time figuring out how to market me. Um, other great episodes. Uh, fuck. Uh, You're pulling what I pulled. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any of other really good episodes. You talked about Florence the Machine one, right? They didn't do Florence, they oh. haven't done Florence the Machine. What um, did I remember you saying? The Carly Rae Jepsen episode on, I think it's When I Needed You. That one's really good because there, there's so much, there's so many layers to that song. I didn't know, like I didn't notice until um, I listened to it. Uh, oh, the Lucy Dacus episode on Thumbs. Boy, howdy. Don't listen to that one if you're oh, PMSing. Oh, that's the one you were talking about. I was literally sobbing. <laughs> I was on my way out to dinner and I was like, oh, fuck, I got to get it together. Um, I really like this, the episode on, uh, the Shins new slang, um, girl in red serotonin also very good. Uh, how many versions of, uh, you were meant for me by jewel there are and why there are so many of them. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good podcast. If you like music, it's worth listening to. But if you hate music. But if you hate music, I can't help you. Um, I'm so sorry. But yeah, it's really, 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 really good. And I feel like I learn so much listening to how songs are constructed because I don't know music. Uh, I don't know how music is put together. 
Um, but I feel so much more like appreciative of how much goes into making a single song, even a song that sounds simple or that sounds um, like, you know, like it wasn't a big, like it didn't take a lot of effort to put it together. Like it's like, Oh, this person playing a guitar and singing still like, there's still so much that goes into this. And I, th- I find it really, really fascinating. Um, so highly recommend, I-, I think it would be kind of wild if you listen to this podcast and haven't heard of a podcast as big as song exploder, <laughs> but like, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> so I don't know shit. Um, so yeah, highly recommend that one. If you are interested in learning about how music is put together, you just want to hear like the stories behind songs that you really love. It's a great, great podcast. Nice. Uh, last thing I have is Before Sunrise, which is a movie that Missy and her husband made me watch. Made me watch. I- <laughs> last week I had no internet. Yeah, which and is why we have this pushback. A yeah. Bit. Oh, I forgot to say that. Yeah, we had to push things back a bit, a bit because I had no internet. It was a whole catastrophe for, for multiple days. For multiple, it was like f- f- almost seventy-two hours without but internet. But not while you had to work. Right? Thank God. <laughs> yeah, thankfully it wasn't when I had to work. But holy shit, uh, we had no internet. And Mary came over and we were like, okay, we had just had the repair person out and we're like, okay, maybe the internet will come back on soon. We could have recorded. We just would have been not, we wouldn't have been able to live stream. Yeah. You would have had to probably look at your phone for things. Yeah. And I was already, I was frustrated. (laughs) So we just, we decided to watch a movie instead. And I don't know if y'all know this, but the Criterion Collection had a big old sale. (laughs) You should see the stack that Missy and her husband bought. They had a 50% off sale, and we bought the Before Trilogy because it's really fucking good. Among other things. So Mary was over, and I didn't think Mary was going to watch Before Sunrise on her own time, so we're pop that boy in. Well, you give a a description because I'm not going to. Well, the thing about... I guess it's before sunrise. It has a really simple plot. I guess that's true. The two people they meet on the train. Ethan Hawke is a baby. Ethan Chick. Yeah, Ethan Chick. Shout. That's a that's a that's a shout out to one of our first. What we've been up to is, I think. No, it wasn't one of our first. It was it was one of the early COVID. Episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ethan Chick, and he meets this girl on a train, and um, he's kind of like trying to find himself, and she's like, "I'm going somewhere." He's he's what's happening. You don't know this at the beginning, so this is a mild spoiler, but he had traveled to Europe oh, that's right. to meet up with his girlfriend, and his girlfriend broke up with him. So he was just like in Europe, and he wasn't ready to go home. So he brought he bought a rail pass yeah. and was just kind of riding around through Europe. Yeah. He meets this girl, and he's like, get off with me. In Vienna. In Vienna, and more than one way. <laughs> and um, then they just kind of have this, like, super romantic going through the city with, no like, nowhere to go um, relationship. And they just met, and they, I don't know, they drink wine in the park, and they have sex. and Or uh, do they? Or do they? They totally do. <laughs> It's a plot. It's a plot point in the next movie, mm. and um, in the end, they're like, "Let's meet back up here in six months." And spoilers: I know that they don't. So who <laughs> fucked up? <laughs> who fucked up? You have to watch the next one. I, know, I have to watch the next one. It was really cute. It was very sweet. It was very like it's just a really well done movie. It's like you know, like it's a, a movie. movie. It it, it really, feels clean. Yeah, it really like there's. I feel similarly, and these are two very different movies. I feel very similarly to it 
as I do about uh, Chunking Express. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what that movie's about. I can tell you, but it 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 does nothing to capture the experience yeah. of it. Like that is what I want from a movie is a movie that exists as a movie. Yeah. It's like the feeling of falling in love, but not, you're not actually falling in love. Right. right? You're falling in love with this idea, but it's still just as beautiful. Yeah. It's not, it's not devalued by the fact that it exists only for it. It might be increased in value by the like 12 perfect hours that they spent together. Like it only becomes more precious because it's so brief. Yeah. So it was it was very beautiful. Man, Ethan Chick sure sure is pretty cute, you know, except yeah. for his little mustache. I will say something that I really appreciate about the movie is how fucking shitty he is. Yeah. And he it's sucks. like it's like shitty in a really believable way. Yeah. Like he's not a villain. He just no. he is playing his age extremely well. Yes, he is. He, and I appreciate that. Both characters feel so believable. Yeah. In, in like how they feel about the world. Yeah. He's not a bad guy. He just has frustrating just annoying. man beliefs. You're just like, shut the fuck up sometimes. Sometimes yeah. you're just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can see him shooting himself in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. can see her reaction being like, dude, really? What the fuck? Um, it's an exquisite, exquisitely written movie and directed movie, and there's it has no comparison. Like much like when Harry met Sally. That's the only thing I could think of. These movies are considered like masterpieces of their genre for a reason. Yeah. And it's not, you watch them and they hold up. It's not like, uh, they don't, things today, they don't feel cliche because mm-hmm. they've been aped. Because the thing is, you can't. Mm-hmm. These movies are exquisitely done and you can try to capture it again but the original still holds up. It's just, just it's nice. It's how I feel. I've been watching The Twilight Zone, which I'll talk about on our next what we've been up to. But uh, it's how I feel about The Twilight Zone, too. That it holds up. Like, there might be imitators of it, mm-hmm. but, like, none have managed to capture how good the original is. And that's how I feel about When Harry Met Sally. And that's how I feel about uh, Before Sunrise. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they are masterpieces of their form. And there's a reason that they're famous. Um, and it's not just because they were first, it's because they are exemplary, exemplary of what they're doing. Um, but it, like I said, it's just telling you what happens in the movie isn't enough. Like you, yeah. like if I told you, you'd be like, oh, that sounds cute. Right. Like if I just told you what happened in that movie, you would not be in a rush to go out and watch it. Yeah. I liked it. It's one of those things that I feel like I have to like sit somebody down <laughs> I liked it. the movie. I don't think I liked it as much as Missy and her husband liked it. Yeah, but I did like it. It was just, it was just one of those movies. You're like, that's really well done. Like, it's just well done. Yeah, like, you can't say otherwise. Yeah, you just can't. Even if you're like, that's not for me. You just like, it's still good. Yeah, right. Um, the second one is actually my favorite in the series. Yeah, I'll be interested because I just really want to fucking know who fuck. I, you know how hard it was for me not to go Google it. I wanted to really bad. You gotta wait nine years. Yeah, I'm like the wait people, nine fucking years. The people in the yeah, movie. Yeah, that's the thing we mentioned. Is this movie takes place in real time? Well, the it doesn't take place quite in real time because they have like twelve hours together. The movie's not twelve hours no, long. But but nine years later. But right? yeah, nine years later, I think the second one came out, and the it's the same actor. So nine years have passed between the first movie and the second and they like talk about it in the movie yeah. and like what happened in those nine years yeah um, it's all fucked up 
Yeah. Or both of them fucked up, yeah. to be honest. I don't know. Yeah. I was very, very close to Googling don't it. Do it. Don't I do it. I didn't do you it. You gotta wait because it, it's so it's so good when you find out <laughs> what happened. Um it's a great, it's a great movie. It's a great. It's yeah. a great. It was good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um it was it was really beautiful to watch. Yeah. Um that's, that's it. it. That's it for this podcast. We did it. We did it. Uh, you can find us online at fakeeatgirlscast.com, which has all of our previous episodes and all of our future episodes as well. <laughs> <laughs> They're just not there yet. Uh, thank you to Emily June for helping with transcriptions. You can find episode transcriptions. We don't have them all. It, they but, take, but it's happening. They take a long time, but you can find them on the website. Uh, Thanks if, to Emily. Thank you, Emily. Uh, if you like this podcast and you are fleeing... Uh, Twitter you can consider joining our discord just shoot me an email contact at fakegeekgirlscast.com and I will happily send you an invite you never have to talk in there if no. you don't want to I, we will not make things. you you are free to do as you like um, yeah. but if you want to join it it's super chill chill it's a very chill discord <laughs> there'll be some weird conversations sometimes but yeah there'll be good ones yeah um, and you get to weigh in on things like, should I cut the Harry Styles digression? <laughs> from- this time it'll be, should we cut the the Twitter and Taylor Swift? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just going to cut that and make a bonus material. Um, Which is a reason you should join a Patreon. Yeah. Um, $1 a month. Uh, anyway, Discord. Just hit me up on email if you want to join it. It's super low pressure and it's not a busy Discord. You could check in on it once a day and you'll have the whole day. Uh, next time... Russian doll. I'm so ready. I fucking love Russian doll. Wow. What a good show. What a good fucking show. What a show for me specifically. Yeah. Serious. No, seriously. (laughs) You got trauma. You got community. I'm just thinking about how she is the female constant. You've got Natasha Leo. She is literally like, like, she's so close to just being literally the female Constantine. Love. I love her. Um, Yes. And then we will be taking our usual December break. We will be doing what we've been up to over December, but not a full length episode. We will return in January with a full length episode on American Gods by Neil Gaiman, both the show and the novel, not the comics. I cannot. (laughs) I cannot. The, every Neil Gaiman thing has to be adapted 100 times <laughs> and I simply cannot keep up with all of them. I can keep up with two. That's I, fair. Can, I cannot do 100 each. Of the same thing. Of the same thing. Yeah. So we will do the novel and the TV show, um, which I am interested in. I think it'll be your favorite of all the TV shows. If not only just for how it Of looks. every TV show. Of every TV show ever. No, of Neil Gaiman's. The Neil Gaiman adaptations. Yeah. I'm really interested to see it because I know Brian Fuller did the first season and there were creative differences, I think, between him and Neil Gaiman. And I am excited for that because one of my complaints about the Neil Gaiman adaptation so far has been that they're too close to the book. So I'm looking, I'm excited to see something that goes off, off of it a little bit. And I like Brian Fuller quite a lot. Um, and then in later seasons, you have a whole lot of racism happening with the treatment of the cast. Mm, that's right. So we're going to be talking about that as well. That's right. Um, interested to see how that manifests. Um, and yeah, that's it. All right. Catch you on the flip side. Woo! <laughs>